You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! The Daily Music Business Podcast. The content of this episode of the Daily Music Business Podcast comes from a video on the YouTube channel of Outer Loop Group. Go to outerloop.group backslash YouTube to subscribe. For Outer Loop Coaching's free seven steps to getting signed PDF, please visit outerloopcoaching.com today. Let's dive in. Ian, I want to talk about something that Carl was, uh, both Carl and Ben have been talking about in depth as well as Mike as well. Um, about online sales and where the online sales opportunities are right now. Can you talk about third-party retailers and where opportunities might exist, especially for artists who might not yet be at the kind of level that a, a King's Road, for example, would be interested in taking them on, but there's still opportunities. Is eBay still a thing? Is, is it Amazon or is it you really just have to build your own website? Yeah, I mean, honestly, my my... Uh, suggestion to anyone who's trying to actively build a brand is to start with your own. The, when you step into third-party retail, what you're doing is giving that entity control of the experience. And that's what you re- don't really want to give away. Spencer and Einstein Kills, tremendous job of controlling their experience. Every detail on the page is very succinct. The, you know, the skinning of the website is fantastic. The content that goes along with it is great. The, uh, you know, the photography on the website is incredible. It gives a really great experience to a consumer who has come there for a reason, right? They're coming there because they know the brand, they like the brand, they want to be further involved in the brand. Third-party retail for a growing artist doesn't make a lot of sense, right? You don't have any control of those things. You don't have that ability to suck people further into, you know, your scope of being an artist, which is not only merchandise, but it's the music, the videos, the, the experience. So, uh, yeah, it, you know, it makes sense when you're a larger artist to get into third-party retail because that's what you're searching for. You're searching for mass and as many T-shirts and units as you could sell. So, Spencer, can you talk about, like, how conscious have you been about the merchandise experience? And, and, and if you could talk about both the experience that your fans get when they do buy merch at your shows as well as the experience that they're getting either being part of this, this, uh, not, was it the, the drops on the ninth or just the website in general? I think a lot of it comes down to the marketing around drops. When we're talking about internet stuff, we try to, you know, to branch off on the, on the event. We don't just make an ad mat. We make basically a movie trailer with, for every single drop. Um, and I don't see a lot of that done. I don't see a lot of, uh, video content to promote at least in the rock and roll world obviously you see brands like nike and you know that's their bread and butter advertising like that but uh i think once we started to adapt that and make that part of the equation i think we started to see a lot more sales so that's definitely part of the experience um 
ma making sure that the website is really cool. Um, you know, subtle things like, again, we're a horror band. So whenever you scroll over a piece of our merchandise, like blood splatter comes out from behind the merchandise. And it's not just a regular cursor on our site. It's a butcher knife. So little things like that, I think, um, you know, make the experience a little bit cooler for people. And also just never being afraid to learn uh, from more popular bands or other bands and see what they're doing. Um, but remembering not to copy them because they are special for a reason. Just kind of looking at, at what they do and maybe trying to learn from it, you know, especially bands that you aspire to be, you know, for us, like, you know, cult bands like Metallica and Slipknot that have those kind of devoted followings. And I think you look at those bands and you see all of their promotion and how their websites function and, and you, you realize that, you know, they're where they are for a reason because they treat every detail, you know, extremely meticulously. When I saw you perform in uh, Dublin, uh, geez, it must have been a year and a half ago, two years ago, uh, I went right to your merch booth afterwards just to see what was going to happen there, where that line that you had uh, to get to your merch, the kids that were lined up, it was an event unto itself, just standing in line waiting for the chance to buy your merch. Is that something that is conscious on your part is that something that just organically has happened as a result of the fans or or, or is it a mix what, what how did that come to be i think it's a it's a just a mixture and and the, the sums of those equations all sort of culminating in, in people being obsessive about the band i think that um the display you know when talking about live shows that's crucial too uh for me, you know, having a great merch guy that understands symmetry, I think symmetry is so important um, in every platform uh, and especially in a live platform, um, making it look like it's the wall at Hot Topic and not sort of a uh, just kind of, a, you know, mishmash of things uh, and, and I, I do this less now because I have less time before shows, but I would usually come out and, and inspect the merch to make sure that things sit right. You know, if it's changing the design in the center to something else, or if these two designs are too similar, not making sure they're, that they're next to each other. So I think it, it, it's a combination of all those things and, and creating that experience in, in every respect. Carl, what Spencer's talking about is UX, but in real life, like, but UX has got to be kind of your bread and butter on your website. The people who come to buy from you could buy from the bands individually, but there's a value to coming to your website that's beyond just being an aggregator. So what is it that, that artists miss or that should incorporate that are best practices that you guys use on your website in order to drive sales? I mean, I guess it's sort of a funny question. I mean, for me, I sort of, I mean, I think Ben, when we did our South by panel, however many years ago that was, probably one, but it was probably more like five. Um, <laughs> I always joke about it. It's like, look, any, like the whole thing about the merch company, the first thing I said on stage and I still stand by it is any idiot can print a shirt and anyone can start a big cartel. <laughs> That's the introduction to the merch company. Now what are you going to do? Right. Then that's, and I'm not, and I'm not necessarily putting down that aspect. It's just like, you know, I remember, 
you know, I mean, Mike, you probably did the same thing back in the day. Like I remember printing shirts in our basement, you know, using a paint drying gun to dry the shirts. And then you'd get some, you know, random AOL message about how the shirt fell apart. It's like, well, that's probably because we used a paint dry gun, not actually like a real dryer. Um, and I think websites, it's a lot like web stores is a lot of the same thing. I mean, as a band is growing, there's not much of an expectation or even much of a demand that you have a really flashy web store. It's just a matter of, you know, the music is the driver. Like that's just, that can't be over, like that, that can't be estimated. Like you can't push that point. You know, I'm trying to think of the right cliche, but like, the music is what brings people in end of story. Like you can have a great shirt and we've had examples in the past of bands that, you know, had shirt sales that were far beyond, you know, back when hot topic was a much bigger component of some of those swings and merchandise. Um, we've had bands who sold t-shirts that were far disproportionate to what their actual sales were and even what their live sales were. Um, occasionally you could do like the one right lucky design and then just boom, you sold, you know, back in the day when you could sell 20,000 shirts at hot topic. Um, so we've had that happen, but in terms of the website and in terms of being a band in terms of the website, I feel like people just need to do like, there's things that we put on the website. There's different items that we've done. We've done different customizing things where you can pick your name and number and, you know, do a custom hockey Jersey and get like a proper twill applique NHL style Jersey with your name and number on it. And there's all these different little, you know, twists that you can throw in there. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's just, if you're going to put up a website, make sure you are communicating clearly with people. So if you make a mistake, you communicate with them like, Hey, sorry, here's something, you know, we'll, we'll make up for it. Keep the other shirt. We'll send you this one. Um, I think there's a lot of that, you know, cause I think at the end of the day, if you love a band and you want to buy a shirt from them, if that says kingsroadmerch.com slash band name, or if it says bandmerch.com slash band name, or if it says, you know, bandname.bigcartel.com, whatever it might say. If that's the official site and somebody loves your band and they have the ability to buy something on, online, they're going to, you know? And I think like, you know, not to downplay what EMP or even Hot Topic can do, you know, because I think Amazon's a similar example. Amazon has their own little customer tower. EMP definitely has a very loyal customer tower in Europe. And I think that there's people who would rather buy from them um, and there's a lot of examples of that where that the, the, the vendor has the branding power and loyalty, which is totally cool, but there's no difference between why somebody's buying a shirt from EMP. Like why would somebody buy an ice nine shirt kills shirt at EMP? It's because they, they are an EMP loyal customer and they like ice nine kills. Right. But at the same point in time, there's gonna be a lot of customers who just buy directly from the band, you know? Um, so I don't know that it's necessarily about creating the right website. I think it's just, whatever you can control in your environment, do the best that you can in that environment, you know, and take advantage of those other opportunities when they present themselves. Um, but I don't know that having a big cartel or like, Oh, you got to have the, you know, you got to have this feature. You got to have that feature. You need to have video in the actual listing. Like those are all things that we've done and, and, and built in. Um, but a lot of it is just more so because the band feels like that shows the item in its best light. It's never so much like, oh, this is, customers are looking for this. It's like, no, we want this because we have this really crazy box set and we can't show you all the components. We need the unboxing of the box set on the actual listing so people can see it. Um, and I feel like that drives a lot more of our decisions than necessarily like, oh, we were looking up on Amazon and these conversion rates go up, you know, half a percentage point if you do this. It's not, it's not done that way. It's just more so like putting your best foot forward of what feels right.
you know um and we have bands where you know like papa roach had has video content on the top of the store right now um when they did their interview series around uh the infest 20th anniversary we had that hosted at the top of the page in addition to all these other outlets that they were doing um so we just do different things like that because that's what the band wants and that's the way the band wants to present themselves very cool. Thank you. Ian, like there's a couple things that Carl brings up there. One, you know, just the, the, the website experience and then earlier talking about just making sure that uh, you're findable through Google and, and perhaps doing some uh, social media advertising, that sort of thing. Um, having a great website is one thing. Getting people to that website is another thing altogether. What kinds of things are you doing and employing in order to drive traffic to your artist websites and yeah sure yeah it's, it's intelligent marketing practices so you know paid advertising campaigns uh making sure that you know your adwords are all correct and 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 your product is listed the correct way that your you know your seo is is done the proper way there's a number of different ways to do it um the the simplest way is to you know use the, the current method, which is Facebook. Do, do Facebook advertising, you know, take the various outlets that you have. Uh, a lot of the bands that we work with have pretty robust mailing lists, customer lists, et cetera. Uh, you know, do Facebook advertising to those people. Uh, use uh, platforms, you know, some artists choose these platforms like Shopify and their remarketing tactics, uh, card abandonment, you know, uh, emails, et cetera, et cetera. It's, super important to want to draw a consumer to your page uh, to make sure that they are, you know, parting ways with their money uh, and, you know, doing so uh, efficiently. Um, and if they are not, you're reminding them that they haven't and super serving those people who have come to visit you. It's hard to gain a click. <laughs> oh, good. Now, now you've got me writing notes down. I got to have to do a video to show people how to do, cart abandonment re retargeting on Facebook advertising. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, well, uh, Ben, uh, kind of anything that you're hearing from these guys that like, you know, for you is, is like something that from, from sort of merch history just seemed to resonate. And it's like one of those things where history should be repeating itself, but maybe isn't, or it is, and people don't even notice it. Well, I mean, these guys have just as much, if not more history than I do, you know, when it comes specific to merchandise. But, you know, one of the things that kind of along the lines of the last um, couple of comments uh, and topics is that, you know, while, while we can spend a lot of time on, you know, design and creative and website, there's a whole other side of this that can't be understated, which is the service side, right? And finding the right partners and finding the right people and finding the right team that once you do gain that click, it's executed and is a beautiful experience for the fan. You know, we're used to that Amazon experience where I one click, boom, it's at my house the next goddamn day. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, fans, People, human beings' expectations on, you know, service is just at a certain level. And I think that needs to be carried through also, whether it's a live event or, you know, uh, e-commerce and the fulfillment. Who is your merch rep, like Spencer was talking about? Are they on point? Do they give a shit about their job? You know, do you care about the display? You know, these are really the, the it's like when you're out there on the road, you know, the merch stand is the second most valuable piece of real estate after the stage for an artist. Right. You know, it's like so. So pay attention to the details. And, and again, back to the Ice Nine Kill scenario where it's like 
all those details about the blood splatter and the cursors, it just shows that you care, you know, and, and fans, re that resonates with fans. And so the merch stand should look like you care, put it on body molds, have good lighting. You're trying to sell something here, you know, put it, same thing with the e-commerce site, make sure it's cool. And then once you get that click, make sure you have the team that can do the rest, carry it over the finish line. You know, um, you have good product. You you actually care about the size of the shirts, you know, the sizing of the shirts and the quality of the shirts. Because the worst experience is buying a shirt from a band. You put it on, you're like, I'm never wearing this shirt again. <laughs> you know, like it's just it's just you know uncomfortable, or whatever. So I think that you know there's a lot, and that's that's just consistent. And so yeah, anybody can print a T-shirt and sell it on a website or sell it at a show, but it's it's the service side of this industry that needs to be you know, highlighted and appreciated and given a lot of consideration because that kind of rounds out the whole fan experience in the, the, the circle in and around merchandise. And we see it all the time. I mean, we work with, you know, a lot of different folks in different companies and, you know, we can, we can see the, the artists, especially when they're out there on the road, that are being super served by their merchandise companies and, and they're crushing it. You know, they're crushing it out there. So. Subscribe today to the Daily Music Business Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now at Evergreen and wherever you get your podcasts.